What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Today is a special solo episode by popular demand, another episode on relationships, Specifically, the title of this episode is How to Find the Right One. I currently live in New York City. I go to a lot of social events, networking events, and meetups, and I'm continually and consistently getting requests from people to talk more about relationships. And I have a lot of people who are single coming to me saying, hey, I can't find the right one. So today we're going to be talking about how can you actually find the right one, the right person to share your life with, the, the right person to be in an intimate relationship with. And so that's what we'll be focusing on today. Now, the first thing to do to talk about this is we're actually going to start with the different types of love that there are. Now, sometimes I'll reference in my, my own personal journey or in some of the coaching that I do and the events that I teach the Bible. And so we're actually going to go to some biblical definitions of love. And I'm going to pull out four of the core different types of love that there are in the Bible. And I'm not doing this because I'm religious. I'm not doing this because I want you to be religious. I want to do this because most people don't actually understand what love really is. And I met someone recently and we were talking about relationships and she mentioned being divorced. And I asked her, why did your first marriage end? And she said something along the lines of, we fell out of love or we didn't have this certain type of love for each other that I think you're supposed to have for a relationship to work. And I'm actually going to debunk that and share my beliefs on what love actually is and how this is a really misunderstood concept because most people think love is an emotion and love is not an emotion. Love is a decision, at least the way that I define it and think that it should be applied for relationships. But before we get to the true definition of love, let's go and look in, this is, involves a lot of Greek history um, and biblical history. Let's look at the four different types of love. So the first type of love is called eros, E-R-O-S. And this is a very sexual or passionate love. And the, the most misunderstood and most widely applied type of love that we have in our society today. So when we think about our modern construct of what is romantic love, we think about falling in love. We often will leave healthy relationships because we say, oh, we don't uh, love that person anymore or we fell out of love, which I think are very incorrect statements and really cop-outs in many ways, and I'll get to that later. But eros is the sexual or passionate type of love. Most people think that this is the type of love that you need to have a healthy, intimate relationship. And of course, you need passion and you wanna bring sex and healthy intimacy into a relationship, but it's not the, the key and the main and the most important type of love that a healthy relationship is based on. The next type of love is called philia. 
So the, the root, as you can probably guess, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So philia, P-H-I-L-I-A, is the second type of biblical love, and it is mostly referring to friendship, a shared goodwill. And Aristotle actually taught about this and that you can have bear goodwill to another for different reasons, either that you're, that other person is, is useful, adds value to your life, is pleasant, is someone that you want to be around. And third, and most importantly, that he's a, he or she is a good person, he's virtuous, um, and, and they're, they're a good person in your life. So first type of love is eros, and that is sexual or passionate love. And again, not the truest and most deep form of love. And it is the type of love that most people in society today base their romantic relationships on. Second type of love is philia, which is friendship-driven love. Third type of love is called storge, uh, spelled S-T-O-R-G-E. And this is familial love. This is the type of love similar to philia, but it is really about, for example, love for a, a, parent, a parent has for their children. So the difference is it generally is more asymmetrical. It's a parent loving a child or a grandparent loving a grandchild rather than a type of love where it's two people in the same age bracket or kind of in the same stage of life. So again, it's a different type of love and that shows up in the Bible. The last type of love that I'm going to be talking about right now is really the most important. This is what I want you guys to pay attention to. This is called agape, A-G-A-P-E. Agape is universal and unconditional love. And for people who have a faith, it, this is the type of love that God has for people. If you're more spiritual, this is the type of love that the universe has for you. So when you think about universal, unconditional love, a higher power, accepting you as you are completely altruistically and unconditionally, it is agape love. This is the type of love that you want in a relationship. And now I'm gonna transition, having kind of covered some of the different types of love that there are, to my personal definition, and to me really the only true definition of love. If you can understand the definition that I'm about to share with you right now, you will, it'll be a game changer. If you're in a relationship currently, I want you to really ask yourself, are you loving your partner the way I'm about to define it? If you're looking for a relationship, I want you to really ask yourself, are you looking to create this definition, which I'm about to share, of love based on agape love, or are you looking for the eros, sexual, passionate, void filling? You know, not that all passion and sex is void filling, it can be very healthy, but I want you to really be honest with yourself right now. The way I define love is love is a decision to commit to meeting the needs of your partner with no expectation of anything in return and you make that commitment for life. And that's really what marriage is. I'm not here to say that you're dating someone for a couple of weeks and okay, you have to commit to meet their needs for the rest of their life and have no expectation of anything in return. But that is the type of love that a marriage is based on. And so one of the main things that I wanted to share in this podcast is people very often are looking to create the type of love. They're seeking out a, a feeling. And this is really important. People, and, and you know, I'm not trying to beat anyone else up. This has been my own journey too, is we live in a society where we're very often rewarded for success or for achievements or for accolades. And so we're used to this emptiness and this feeling of not being good enough. 
I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like I need to do more. I feel like I need to achieve more. And so we go out and we try to win awards and try to outperform and we try to make more money than other people. And rather than necessarily being more selfless and cooperative, we try to maximize our own self-interest because we think if we can do that, then we will get the love and acceptance of other people. It's the same thing when we're seeking out love as a feeling comes from a, operating at a premise where we have some kind of emptiness, we have some kind of void, some kind of feeling that we're not good enough, could be shame, it could be something from our past limiting beliefs that we're not enough. And so we seek out the feeling of love as a way to feel fulfilled and to feel complete and to feel happy. And so that's the core error is someone's in a relationship, and they're not meeting their own needs. They're not going to the universe. They're not going to God. They're not going to themselves. They're not going to friends. They're not going to healthy work and fulfillment and purpose in their career. They're not going to the gym. And they feel empty and they feel incomplete. And so what do they do? They go to their boyfriend or girlfriend for that dopamine hit, for that eros type of love, for that sex, for that passion. And guess what? In the beginning, it can be great. That's the honeymoon phase. Everything's good. I'm getting my dopamine hit, so are they. But it's not sustainable. It doesn't last forever. And that's why about 45% of first marriages in the United States end in divorce. Is because what happens is we're incomplete. We're not, we're, we're not in a relationship or a marriage based on agape love. It's based on eros. And so we go to our partner to meet our needs. And then guess what happens? One day your boyfriend doesn't pick up his phone or your husband's on a work trip or your wife is busy and can't meet your needs. And so what happens is you start to feel more pain because you already had that pain inside you that you weren't handling yourself. And now you're going externally to try to get that filled. And when your partner's not able to do that, guess what? You start to attach the pain to the partner. So, oh, I'm hurt and I'm calling my partner. I'm trying to connect with my partner to, to heal that pain and they're not available or they're not doing that for me. So this pain must be my partner's fault and we're falling out of love. <clears throat> this one pattern that I just described, if people understood this at a, a wide scale and really implemented this and took ownership in their life, I feel like the divorce rate could drop into the single digits. But what I'm asking is a big ask. I know that. And you might be here in listen only mode. You might be earlier on in your journey, but you might also be married listening to this and at a stage where you're trying to figure out, is this a relationship worth fighting for? And what I always say is relationships are worth fighting for as long as you're not the only one fighting. So this is the type of thing that if this is resonating with you and you're willing to take ownership and you're willing to say, hey, I think I'm defining love the wrong way and you're in a relationship that might be broken, you have to get your partner involved in this too. You have to send them this episode you have to sit down and re-listen to it together because this is what will really save your relationship and save your marriage. So that's, that's how love should actually be defined. It's a decision to commit. And you have to have two people who both make that decision. And if you, if you love each other from that place, from the agape love, then you will have a fantastic and everlasting relationship. It will be hard. I'm not going to say it's going to be all fun and games because you will experience your own emotional pain. And the, the Buddha talked about this with in the Four Noble Truths of Buddhism, where you know, it, the first noble truth is that pain is inevitable in life. Suffering is inevitable. To be human, to live, will come with pain and suffering. And so when that comes up, 
it's a very hard but very noble task to say, okay, I'm in pain and I have to maybe sit in some of these annoying emotions right now, but let them flow through me and let them go. I need to do my journaling. I need to go to a higher power with this, whatever your process is. And, you know, if you need a process, listen to some of my other episodes and get involved in some coaching and, you know, find resources where you can have an outlet and support and journaling and things like that. But ultimately, if you can do your own inner work and find your own inner contentment and not bring a lot of expectations into a relationship, your relationship will thrive. If instead of putting your pain onto your partner and you say, I own this pain, I'm going to handle it. And as I do, I'm going to continue and consistently unconditionally love and accept my partner exactly as they are and make a decision to continue to commit to them with no expectation of them taking care of me or doing anything in return. Boom. That is love. That is a healthy relationship that will go the, the distance. And that's really what it comes down to is not putting these expectations on your partner and not making it their job to take care of you. So that is how I define love. Those are the different types of love. Now I'm going to give an example of someone who, uh, of a couple, actually a young couple who, uh, this is how they dated. And this is, it's going to be a little bit of a longer example, but it's going to be a very powerful one. And so this is an example of, uh, Someone I know, they, were, they told me about their daughter and how she was approached by a young man and they were in college together. And so this is the story of how, um, we'll call it a Brian, change the names up a little bit, Brian and Caitlin. I'll talk about how Brian and Caitlin met. This is a great story. And I want you guys to think about this as you, you know, whether you're single or whether you're in a relationship. If you're single, this is the approach that I want you guys to take for dating. I know some of these things are going to sound a little extreme, but this is really setting yourself up for a great long-term relationship. And if you're already married or already in a relationship, see how you can bring some of these concepts into your relationship. So, um, so, so Brian and Caitlin were in the same uh, club at the college they went to. It was a personal development group study that they had been, that they had met in about a year ago. Brian said he immediately was into Caitlin and he really liked her and he let her know within a couple of weeks of meeting her, hey, I think you're really um, great and I like you. Now, Caitlin liked Brian back, but she didn't feel like she was ready for a relationship. Right there, that's a really mature thing to be aware of and say, hey, even though I want male attention or this guy likes me and this could feel good, I know I'm not ready yet and I'm going to be really clear and honest with myself and with other people about that. So that was huge. So Caitlin said, I'm attracted to you, but I don't think I'm ready for a relationship right now. So for now, I'm, I'd be comfortable being friends with you. And the, Brian and Caitlin were in the same groups of friends at college and they were in different classes together and similar clubs, meditation clubs, things like that. And so they continued to spend time together more and more, but only as close friends. But over time, um, Brian continued to see how great Caitlin was and how much he truly liked her, not based on her looks, but based on her values and her character. And he didn't take the rejection personally because he knew it wasn't about him. That's a huge thing also to keep in mind is let's say you meet someone and they tell you, oh, I'm not ready or oh, I'm seeing someone else or something like that. It's really secure to be able to be Brian in this instance and, and not take that personally and to say, you know what? 
I respect that. I think it's great that you're doing this inner work on yourself or you're taking your time to develop and mature. And I'm also not going to feel badly about myself. I'm not going to take this as a huge personal rejection. I sent an email out to my list and I got probably a hundred. I got so many people who replied immediately saying, this is your best email ever, Brendan. I talked all about not forcing it in relationships and about if someone you know, can't commit or doesn't want to be there for you. It's not about you. And it's, it's all about cutting them loose and accepting where they're at. So Brian knew what a prize Caitlin was. And so his interest in her continued to be there. And because of the two, because the two of them kept hanging out and spending a lot of time together without any pressure of dating, because Brian totally respected where Caitlin was at, she then was able to see his true character and who he really was. And so it wasn't before long that she started to see who he really was. And over time, as she developed and as they grew even closer, she felt comfortable saying, you know what? Uh, I'm, I feel more ready. I really like you. I see how you've been such a true friend and your intentions were so healthy and, and true. And so she went to Brian and said, okay, I'm interested. I feel ready and feel comfortable to date. But Brian did something really cool. And I don't care if you're 18 years old and in college like Brian was, or you're 50 years old. I think this is such an amazing thing. Brian said, okay, well, I see that you want to date and I want to date you too, but I need to do something first and I'll get back to you tomorrow. And so what Brian did was he reached out to Caitlin's parents. He got in touch with them. They actually lived nearby near the campus where they went to college together and they met up and Brian said, hey, I'm friends with Caitlin. And the parents laughed and said, yes, we know who you are. And he, he smiled, but he said, I, I want to come to you and I want to ask for permission to date your daughter. And it's like, that's a mic drop for me because, you know, I think most people know that in, in America, at least it's pretty common to ask your your girlfriend's father for permission. Some people say this is outdated. Some don't. I, I think it's wonderful to make sure that you ask. And I don't think it should just be the father. I think you should go to both of the parents and, and, and ask for permission for their daughter's hand in marriage. And obviously if the parents are racist and don't accept you for, for, you know, I would say the wrong reasons, that's another story, but I think it's beautiful to do that. And what I think is even cooler is Brian went to the parents and said, I'm really interested in dating your daughter, Kaylin. And not only do I want to ask for your permission to date her, but I also want to tell you more about myself first. So you guys are really comfortable and understand who I am because even though I'm, I'm young, I'm, I'm not dating for fun. I'm not dating for Eros love. I'm not dating for physical passion, for sex, for that. I'm dating because I believe that the purpose of dating is to evaluate whether or not this person is suitable for marriage. And so I can commit to spending the rest of my life with this person. That is so spiritually mature. It's just incredible because let's do a quick sidebar, which is people date and I live in New York city and I'm probably guilty of this in my past. And I know a lot of people do this, especially here, which is they date to meet their own needs. They date to have fun. They date to fill a void. They date because they think they're supposed to be dating and I hate to break it to you guys, but dating is not for you. It's, it's for uh, your partner and it's for what you guys could potentially build together. And I believe that the only reason why you should be dating in a non-marriage setting is to evaluate, well, 
is this someone that I want to be with long-term? And by the way, I'm dating because I'm also evaluating whether or not I'm able to be with someone long-term. Am I ready for marriage? Because you can experience tremendous growth within a relationship. But if it becomes clear to you at any point that there's a values mismatch or incompatibility, really due to, again, values or your partner not dedicating themselves to uh, self-improvement, personal development, faith, whatever your benchmark is for a higher level of consciousness and going deeper and taking more ownership and developing as a human being, then you know that you got to go. And that's tough to hear. But Brian was very clear about his journey. And he said, I'm here to ask for your, you, Caitlin's parents' approval for me to date her um, very intentionally, not in a rush. You know, we can date for several years. We're not in a rush, but this is the purpose of us dating. And he said, I've gotten to know Caitlin very well, and um, I'm interested in pursuing a relationship with her. She's the type of person that one day I would I'd be hope to marry. And so I'm, I'm asking for your permission so I can get to know her better in a dating context. Just think about that. Think about if you were a parent. I think a lot of men have these nightmares of, oh, I don't want to have a daughter because I don't want to you know, have to control her, hold her back, or you know, monitor her dating activities. Imagine if you're, you had a daughter, man or a woman listening right now, and your daughter was being approached by a guy like this. And before he even started going on dinner dates and movie dates with her, he said, hey, I want, I want you to know my intentions. I want to know that, I want you guys to know that I'm a developed person, that I'm in a really good place, that I'm not perfect, but I'm seeking to continue to better myself. And I really like uh, Caitlin because she does that too. And we have a lot in common. And so I want you guys to be involved in this relationship, not controlling it, but I want you guys to know what's going on. I want your permission. And again, you don't need parents' permission if the parents are toxic or the parents are controlling helicopter parents. I just mean if the parents are in a good place and, and they're married and they're modeling intimacy well, then I think there's nothing better than doing what Brian did. So I don't advocate for this in all contexts, obviously. So Brian went on to explain what he thought dating would look like. He um, shared his intentions. He said, you know, he said what he thought they would be spending their time doing, hanging out in groups a lot and so on and so forth. So the parents naturally, as expected, gave Brian their blessing and said that, um, you know, we're here to support you guys. We, we want to be all spending time together so you can get to know our family as well and vice versa. We'd like to spend time with your family and Caitlin to spend time with your family. And so they gave him their blessing. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. So Brian and Caitlin start dating. And what they start to do is they, they start to do things that a lot of couples don't necessarily do in relationships. So instead of doing like a lot of Netflix and chill and going out to movies or just binge watching TV shows and ordering food or just going out to bars and drinking, they actually spent a lot of time at each other's families' homes or at their own homes or with friends, spending time getting to know each other, talking and asking each other a lot of questions about what they want in the future, about what they like, about what they don't like, and about their expectations for family, career, and their spiritual development. So I'm gonna pause here because I wanna share two things. One is there's a, an app that you can download on your phone called Card Dex, C-A-R-D, Dex, Card Dex. And it's, uh, it's by the Gottman Institute. I'm level one and two 
trained up in John Gottman and John Julie Gottman's relationship coaching, couples coaching practices. And they put out an app, which is really cool. I think every couple should have this. I think every human being should have this if they're interested in being in a relationship. And there are different sections. And so what you can do is you go into the Cardex app. I'll load it up right now. And they have these different sections. So there's love maps, which is where you can ask each other your favorites. There's open-ended questions, which is where you guys can spend time together asking each other these questions and going back and forth and answering them. There's something called rituals of connection, which is great ideas for healthy, wholesome dating activities and ideas and to, for what to go on dates and do. There's sections for giving appreciation, for expressing feelings, for expressing needs, for expressing empathy. And there are also, it's called salsa, and there's mild, medium, and hot sections. So I'll let you guys use that as you wish. And you know, I'm not here to say what I believe your sexual boundaries should be or how, obviously I, I think people have heard me talk about how I think it's important to wait and not jump right into bed. So I would avoid the salsa mediums and hots, especially in the beginning of the relationship and focus on love maps and open-ended questions. So that's the first thing I would say is when you, you, when you people out there, when my listeners, you guys are dating, guys and gals are dating, I really recommend spending time together in cafes, in parks, um, in living rooms instead of beds, asking each other these questions. And you can get them from the, it's a free app. There's no payment. It's not subscription. It's not like a $2 thing. It's completely free. It's called Card Dex. So that's the first thing. Second thing that's really important with relationships is a lot of people come to me because I do a lot of relationship and couples work and they say to me that their relationship's fine and that they're having a fight because they're trying to pick out the type of china and plates and flowers and music and the band and the dishes and the entrees for their wedding. And that's the problem. And what I see is so many couples are so focused on who to invite to their wedding and what dress to wear, what tuxedo to wear, where to go on your, their bachelor party. And these are the types of questions that people come to me with instead of, actually saying, hey, I, I want to spend my time before I actually even think about a wedding or think about getting married, asking each other these deep, intimate questions so you can really get to know each other on a heart and a soul level. So again, going back to the example, this is what this couple was doing. They spent a lot of time asking each other these questions, understanding what they want in life. Are, do you want to have children? If so, how many? Where do you envision yourself living long-term? What part of the country or what part of the world? What are your career goals? Are you a freelancer? Are you going to have a day job? Because just me personally, Brendan, I have my own business and it's always been very important to me that I can run it from anywhere in the world. And I want my partner to know that and know that I'm going to work either from an office or from home and they need to be okay with that. And ideally I'm looking for a partner who has their own business or they have the flexibility to travel full time and come with me as I speak and do my events and things like that. Not to everyone, but looking for someone with more flexibility. So you need to talk about that. And what are your expectations for family and your own personal development? And, you know, do, are you an active person? Do you like going to the gym? I mean, these are huge questions that you want to ask early. And a lot of people say, well, Brendan, I don't want to freak them out and ask all these questions too soon. But the reality is 
if you're looking for a long-term healthy intimate relationship based on secure attachment style and on the second date you say hey i want to ask you a couple questions like this obviously you don't want to go you don't have to answer all these questions about how many kids do you want on the second date but you can ask things on the second date like oh do you meditate do you journal are you do you do any of these types of things and over time you can ask them more and more and when you're dating the right person that you're not going to scare them off because they're going to think oh wow this is really cool this person is very mature and they're thinking long term and i've had a lot of women tell me brendan you know this is it's amazing to meet a man who's willing to ask these questions and be really clear and upfront from day one about these things. So they spent a lot of time, Brian and Caitlin, to come back to our example, spent a lot of time talking and laughing and asking questions and really getting to know each other on a very deep level. They also spent quite a bit of time doing different volunteer projects. So not only could they see how important contribution was to each other, but they could also get a sense of in these more stressful, potentially, or busy or overwhelming situations, how do they behave? How do they manage their emotions? How do they get along during times of stress? They also went on some overnight hiking activities together, camping, sleeping in sleeping bags in the woods in the winter to see what, you know, how do they behave in times of pressure or feeling really tired or exhausted? Because I remember even in my own, my, to talk about my story, I remember my mom said that she got married when I believe she was 19 years old. This is my mother. And she was divorced three times. And she said that she immediately got married. I think she was engaged to my father within six months and then they were married pretty soon thereafter. And in, within less than one year of the relationship, my father physically abused my mother. And I believe it was bad enough that she had to go to the hospital. It's never good. I'm just saying it was intense enough where I think she had to go to the hospital and she may have broken some bones. Um, and it was so bad that she said, wow, should, you know, should I even stay in this relationship? And they had just gotten married and they wound up staying together for 15 years. But these are the types of things that you need to know ASAP. You need to put yourself in these types of environments and you know go camping or hiking or volunteering you want to try to see and get to know the true character of your partner as soon as possible and that's another reason why i say don't rush these things date for one two three years don't date for 15 years i think that's a way to really avoid long-term commitment but don't get married in under a year don't get married in three months i think it's healthy to take some time to date and allow these things to inevitably come to the surface or not and then you can get some answers there so they did all these things to see how they would react in these types of situations. And they really spent a lot of time with each other's families to see how the families got along, how each of how Brian got along with Caitlin's family, how Caitlin got along with Brian's family. And they continued to look for these new opportunities in different settings to get to know each other better. And then after continuing to date, continuing to do all this, Brian then came back to Caitlin's parents and said, hey, this is what our relationship has looked like. Obviously, you guys have been in, involved, so you know, but here's a little bit more information on where we've been at in the relationship, what we're thinking, and I want to come to you and ask you guys, parents of Caitlin, for your permission because uh, it would be such a blessing for me to marry her, and so I would love to ask your permission to propose to Caitlin. And the parents gave them the thumbs up, and they are now happily married. And so. 
That is what I call the right way to date, or you can call that intentional dating. Because if you can face these areas of conflict and struggle, which come up in any relationship and see what it's like in the dating context, see how do we navigate these problems now? Do we have the same faith, same beliefs, same goals, same values, the same vision for long-term? And we're not, we're not making decisions based on Eros love or based on, you know, are they meeting my needs or am I fulfilled based on what they're doing for me? This is, this is really what I call intentional dating. So when I say how to find the right one, really it's, you gotta become the right one. Uh, you know, a lot of you men listening to this, how could you be more like Brian? And I know we talked a lot about Brian and what he did, but women, how could you be more like Caitlin? How could you be more honest with men who are trying to court you and say, eh, you know, I'm actually, I'm not ready to date right now, but I'm willing to be friends and see if that pushes away the man. Cause a lot of women, they are not authentic to who they really are because they're afraid. If I'm authentic, if I'm my true self, if I'm honest, then I'm going to lose this person. But the reality is you don't need that person. You actually want to see if they'll stay when you're being authentically you. So how do you find the right one? First, become the right one. So guys, become Brian. Women, become Caitlin. And then start to hang out in these circles and look for people who are on the same wavelength as you, who share the same values, and then go up to them and ask them for a coffee or say, hey, I'd love to get to know you better and hear more about your story. Very simple, very basic, but it's, it's something overlooked a lot. So I'll now just say one thing about, you know, an instruction manual for relationships, which is there really isn't one. And none of, I was never given a, a manual. I remember when I took my road test to get a driver's license, I was given a test that I had to take. I had to get a learner's permit. I had to take a certain number of hours of driver's ed. I sat in classrooms. I was out on the road. I uh, spent a lot of time with my father. He was awesome when I was growing up and I was driving a lot with him and he had all these cool cars. He had like this old Corvette and he had all these things. And so I spent hours now, tens if not hundreds of hours driving and studying to get my driver's license. But if I wanted to, I could go to city hall tonight or tomorrow morning and get a marriage license with no training or requirements. So my plea to you all, you listeners out there is get some kind of manual, get some kind of help. There are a lot of books out there. I've, I've recommended attached by Amir Levine. That's a great one if you want to check that out for relationships, certainly if you're at the stage where you're thinking about marriage, I strongly recommend seeing a premarital strengthening counselor. You know, this isn't this taboo thing anymore of, Oh, I, we need counseling. It's find marriage mentors, find people who can help you with this. Also find people who can give you advice. A lot of people take advice from single or broken people who are not in relationships nor whether they want to be. And one problem comes up in a relationship and that person immediately says, Oh, just end it because they're probably not applying the right principles and the right definitions for love in their life. So I really encourage you all to get your own instruction manual for relationships. So the book attached is good. Uh, one of my episodes of my podcast with Dr. Robert Glover is great about masculine energy. Uh, I did an episode 53 called from addictive to enlightened relationships. So certainly check that out. Episode 34 on masculine and feminine energy these are all things that you want to listen to as you prepare for your relationship. Also, if you're in a relationship, go use these resources to improve your relationship. That's, that's the other thing to keep in mind. And so that's really what I would say there. The last topic that I'll cover is just on compatibility and 
kind of ties into this example of how you can attract the right person. And I just want you to know, and this is something that a lot of people even listening right now might be in denial about, which is we all are wounded. We are all have trauma from our past on some level. And the goal is to not be defined by our wounds and to heal them. And so what separates emotionally healthy people from emotionally unhealthy people is that the emotionally healthy ones recognize and admit they're wounded and they don't define themselves by those wounds. And in fact, what's really interesting is emotionally healthy people, because here's the truth, in any relationship, you're gonna attract someone who's on the same level as you. There's no such thing as one dysfunctional partner in a relationship. If there's one dysfunctional person, there's two, because there's the person who co-creates a relationship with the dysfunctional one. There's the person who accepts it and tolerates it and enables it and supports it and doesn't walk away from it. So we, we will create a, we will bring into our universe and bring or surround ourselves without even realizing it with people who operate at a very similar level to us on a consciousness frequency. And so we all have these wounds and we're going to bring someone into our life who is going to bring out pain at the same level that we're at. And so the really important thing is to not blame your partner when they start to bring these wounds out of you, because that's inevitable in any relationship is you're going to let someone close to you and they're going to bring out the pain that's in you. They're not the cause of the pain. You actually need to see it the right way, which is that you want the pain to be brought out of you. The reason relationships are so important is to not isolate and to get out there and, and date and date intentionally is to know that your partner could really bring out some of your past traumas and some of your past pains. And it's really tough in the moment, but you actually have to thank them for that and see them as a healing partner and let them close to you and say, Hey, I'm in a lot of pain. This brings up a lot of pain from my past and from my mother abandoning me. And I just want to thank you for that. And even though this really hurts and I'm really scared and really angry, and I really want to lash out at you and blame you, I want to thank you and be grateful because you're my healing partner and you're, you're going to help me heal my wounds. I know it's not easy. I know you're probably shaking your head. You want to push pause on this podcast, but it's the truth. So we attract people who are at our level. And what you're looking for is someone who will sit in the trenches with you and do their healing work while you do your healing work. And you guys let each other close and you don't blame each other, but you actually thank each other because the goal I talked about this in episode 53 from Addictive to Enlightened Relationships. Relationships are not going to bring you happiness and salvation. They're going to bring you consciousness, which is actually the path towards salvation anyway. So in an indirect way, they do. But really what the relationship is going to do is it's going to bring out pain. It's going to bring out rawness. It's going to bring out the truest version of you so you can actually handle it and work through your past and let you, your partner your healing partner, not by fixing you or caretaking you, but caring for you and being there as you work through it. So that is my episode on how to find the right one. Comes back to the definition of agape love over eros love, dating intentionally using the example that I shared, treating this the way you would treat anything else in life. I had a, fr a friend and he, um, he's a doctor and he came to me and he said, I'm having these relationship problems. And I said, okay, well, I recommend reading this book and then watching this documentary. The book will take six hours on audiobook, and the documentary is an hour and a half long. And I said, okay. And then a few weeks later, he came back to me and said, the relationship's even worse. And, you know, we've been together for a few years, but the fighting is just nonstop. What should I do, Brendan? I said, well, did you read the book? He said, no. I said, did you watch the movie? He said, no. 
I said, well, I can't really help you if you're not willing to put in your end of the bargain and I'll work with you, but you got to, you got to put some time in here. And he said, oh, well, you know, I'm just so busy. And, and I said, okay, well, how much time do you normally spend per day working? He says, you know, anywhere from 12 to 14 hours. And I said, so you'll spend 14 hours reading a medical textbook, which will absolutely advance your career, but you won't spend one hour listening to something that could change your relationship. And trust me, if you don't have healthy relationships, you don't have a healthy life. I don't care how successful of a doctor, a lawyer, an investment banker you are. If you don't have a good relationship with yourself, if you don't have good friends, if you don't have, not, I'm not saying if you don't have a family, but if you're trying to create a family and, and you're in an intimate relationship and that's not going well and you're not investing in that, I, you know, that's, I, for me at least, the way I teach my principles, you got to think about the wheel of life. You got your health, you got relationships, you got money, you got career, you got friendships, you got fun. And so what I teach is this balanced wheel of life. And so just if you're, say you're too busy for this, really ask yourself, are you too busy or is doing that 12 hours of work actually safer and more comfortable and you don't have to face your emotions and face your fears and face potential pain? Because if it's that, I get it. And I also know you're strong enough to face it and push through it. So that is how to find the right one. That is my podcast for today on relationships. So grateful for everyone, all 100,000 plus of you guys on Instagram who voted in my story because I asked, what, what do you guys want to hear from me about? And the overwhelming majority was on relationships. And when I go out and people see me and come to my seminars, relationships just continue to be a hot button issue that I can help people with. So feel free to send stuff through Instagram, my website, Brendan H. Burns. If I don't read it personally, someone from my team will. And we pay attention to these things. We see the responses that you guys send. I'm sorry if we can't get back to everyone, but I'm listening to you guys. I'm here to serve you. This is not about me. This is about bringing more consciousness into the world, bringing healthier relationships into the world and seeing how we can all thrive. Starting with having that, that real uh, agape love for ourselves and for a higher power and then bringing that in for your partner. So thank you guys again for tuning in for another episode of The Brendan Burns Show.